neither time nor the space a podcast about doctor who my name is david and as always i am joined by the residential matt hello there so here we are talking about the lodger this week yep episode 11 of season five Mm -hmm. from the 12th of june 2012 yeah the olympics year just i've just realized yeah yeah so almost throwing back to fear her there do you like this episode Yes, yes I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's, I it's, do. it's breezy, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's one of those that, if I were you, I would describe it as nothing like Doctor Who, but mm-hmm. at the same time a very Doctor Who episode. Yes, yeah. and It's a great example of how Doctor Who can be versatile as a show and can sort mm. of dip a toe into the water of other genres, because this is 75% uh, romantic comedy. Yes, yeah, um, but just the Doctor like, Who's just like the background player in a sitcom. Yeah, and it's just like this sprinkling of weird sci-fi fairy dust over mm. it. Um, so yeah, I think it works really well. It's uh, written by Gareth Roberts, who we've we've uh, seen episodes from previously. Um, his previous episodes were The Shakespeare Code and The Unicorn and the Wasp. So this is a departure for him because it's yeah. not a historical. There's no famous author and like. <laughs> This one's a lot better. Yeah, it's it? easily his best script that we've seen yeah. from him so far. And I it, I think it's part, possibly because he's gotten out of that rut of being the guy that writes the sort of historical episodes about famous authors and they've got something else to do. I also feel as well, James Corden is one of the better random celebrity people we've had in. Yeah. Like, you know, when we of... had Catherine Tay, yeah. she like, entirely bought into Doctor Who. Yes. I get that feeling here where you know, when we when we saw the Absorbal off mm. and Peter Kay, it was very much just like, hey hey, it's Peter Kay in yeah. Doctor Who. Yeah, definitely. Whereas here, like Corden's good. Yeah, no, he's genuinely bringing it and, and, and I am not a fan of James Corden as a really? I'm I don't find I you know, I'm not a big chat show person anyway, so but but yes, yeah, so I don't really enjoy that thing. I thought his sketch show was abysmal. Mm. I haven't. He's one of the leads in Gavin and Stacey, Gavin and Stacey which I have I, never watched. I, I'm a fan of Gavin and Stacey. Right. Is he like? Is he anything like that in this? Like, uh, he's similar. So sorry. in Gavin and Stacey, he's basically like a lad's lad, right? That has the soft side that you see here. Yeah. Now the problem is, off the back of Gavin and Stacey, he was heralded as. A lad's lad. Mm. So before this, he'd done a lot of like theatre. Yes. Um, I think he was in the History Boys and yeah, things like yeah. that. So he's really good friends with Russell Tovey that's been in Doctor Who. Oh, right. yeah, yeah. Uh, they've done a lot of plays together. Um, so yeah, I, I, like I say, I, I do like him. Yeah. But I'm not a massive fan of him being held up as like lads, lads, lads. Yeah, you always. It, Maybe like something like this, where he's playing a role, like that's playing to his strengths more. Like yeah. you know, better as an actor than as a personality. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think he's great in this. As is um, his effectively like co lead for the episode, Daisy Haggard, uh, who plays mm-hmm. Sophie, and who is, I think, uh, I've seen her like pop up in other comedy stuff, and like she's always very good. Good in it, so, so yeah, I, and I think without those two central performances and the genuinely believable 
chemistry between them, like this episode would just like crumble. Mm. It wouldn't work, but thankfully it does. Um, and I also think Corden has like a realistic reaction to meeting someone like the Doctor. Yes, definitely. Like, a lot of people, when they meet him, they're immediately taken in by his adventures, whereas Corden's just like, you are mental. Yeah, this is weird. Like, it's like you say, as he says near the start, like, I think it's good weird. Yeah. But but it is weird, yeah. 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 Um, But anyway, should we just get stuck into the episode? Is there a reason why this episode is so light on Amy? Obviously, yeah, coming up towards thing. yeah, coming up towards the end, the finale, mm. we usually get these weird episodes that don't have any characters in them. Yeah, yeah, it was it was akin to the other ones we've seen, where it's like you know midnight for for tenant, where it's like you know you separate because it basically meant that that Karen Gillan could shoot all of her scenes in the TARDIS set yeah. um, in like half a day. Yeah, bash them all out, and then. She can be off doing shooting other stuff that doesn't require Matt Smith, so they were kind of overlapping production yeah. of different episodes. Yeah, I assume that was the yeah. case. So yeah, I, I quite like this. Yeah, I think we've sort of had three good ones on the bounce. I would say. Yeah, I. I mean, I'll be honest. I think since the very mixed bag of Victory of the Daleks. I don't think there's been a, a genuinely poor episode of this series. I can't think of any that are like absolute stinkers. No, it's quite because what we have we've so had far. the fishy Venice one, yeah, which I really enjoy. Mm. Um, we've had the two-parter Angel Angels one, yeah, which I like more than you, but still, it's you know you got to be yeah. decent. Yeah, this series has been all right, I would say. Yeah, yeah, it didn't start off brilliantly, but it's. Picking up a but bit of speed. Also, you know, new show on a new doctor. It's a different vibe that you've got to get tuned into, I think, to an extent. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, yeah. So let's get stuck into the uh, into the story for this one. Right. So the TARDIS lands on Earth. The Doctor walks out, mm-hmm. and then the TARDIS takes off again. Yeah. So there's something hampering its ability to land. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of like phasing in and out. Uh, and then we cut to the next day. So a man walks past a house, and through the intercom, we hear there's been an accident. Please come mm. help. Yeah, it's like this sort of wavering old man voice. Mm. If you were walking past an intercom and you heard that, would you would you go in? Do you think? Yes, but if I saw him stood at the top of the stairs with a blinking light behind him, <laughs> yeah. I would remain downstairs in the doorway with the door open. Yeah. And when you you say to him, "What's the matter?" and he just repeats, "There's been a terrible accident. Can you help me?" Would you press him for specifics before is, going up the stairs? Is it explained why the person on the intercom or at the top of the stairs changes? Is it just to prey on different people? Yeah, I think so. Right. I think it's just to to kind of go with what whatever's going to work on that person. So. Like we say, the man walks in. There's an old man at the top of the stairs. Yeah. The door closes behind him. Yeah. It's super creepy. Like, I mean, if that person knew they were in an episode of Doctor Who, they would be getting the hell out of there mm. straight away. But but they don't. They don't hear the, the sort of the, the, the orchestra playing ominous music behind them. <laughs> so no. up they go. <laughs> so at this point, we're introduced to Craig and Sophie. That's James Corden. Mm-hmm. And I forget the other lady's name. Daisy said. Haggard. Daisy yeah. Haggard. And... They've got a big stain on their ceiling. 
Yeah. So they live below the old man that yeah. we've seen. Well, technically it's only uh, James Corden's character. That's so, right. And um, Daisy just goes Craig. around for like pizza and drink like every yeah. night. Yes, yeah. They're obviously, they're close friends, but uh, yeah, she's got her own place. So there's a banging from upstairs and they get suspicious. Mm-hmm. But then Sophie gets a phone call from a friend who's having an absolute nightmare. So yeah. she has to leave. And I'm just putting my notes, Craig just clearly in love with her. Yeah. And as she leaves, she sees the man upstairs. So Craig is practicing in the mirror, telling yeah. Sophie that he loves her. He keeps saying, I love you, I yeah. love you. There's the doorbell. He opens the door and says, I love you. And it's the doctor. Yeah. So to, to take a pause for a second, I, one of the things that I think I, re- I really love about this episode is how realistically it portrays the relationship between Craig and Sophie. I think a lot of people can relate to being in that phase where you've, you've got a genuine friendship with someone and there is that fear of... Going too like, far. Yeah, like spoiling the friendship by, you know, making your true, you know, the true extent of your feelings known. Um, so, yeah, I think it's quite a relatable situation and, like, played really well. But, yeah, so anyway, he declares his love to the Doctor by mistake. Yeah. And off the back of that, the Doctor immediately moves in. <laughs> yeah. And the first thing he says is, what's going on upstairs? There's loads of banging and rock. Yeah, so let, let's just talk about, like, so he's answering an advert for a lodger yeah. that Craig's put in, but he's literally only just put the ad up, and the Doctor is there immediately. Yeah, with hasn't a, even called. Yeah, with a brown paper bag full of cash. Yeah. Turns out later in the episode, they don't say how much it is at first, but later they establish in the episode, it's three grand. Yeah. <laughs> and he just and, sort of says, is this a lot? It seems like a lot. I can never tell. And because he refers to himself as the doctor, yeah. they just assume he's a drug dealer. Yeah. Which, like, you can you can see how they're connected yeah. those dots there. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, but yeah, so already you've got, like, this weird sort of, like, um, like odd couple thing being established with him and Craig. Um, yeah. So, the doctor... The first thing he does when he enters the flat, just cooks himself an omelette. Yeah. And it's like an unbelievable omelette. Yeah, just doesn't, like the... doesn't look it when he's cooking it. No, that's he like... He like cooks mayonnaise <laughs> in the eggs. Yeah, and he's, yeah, he's obviously just like... And I love that. I love the fact that you're, like, you're watching it and it's just utter chaos. Yeah. It's just like someone's let a but monkey then, loose in the kitchen. But then there's a cold cut and they're just yeah. like, what an amazing omelette. <laughs> yeah, and I, I love that because yeah. like, it'd be easy Genuinely for it to go the other way. Genuinely funny moment there. Yeah. So after that, we see Amy. She can't land the TARDIS. There's something stopping it. The Doctor's got like an earpiece. It looks a bit like a hearing aid, but yeah. it allows him to talk to Amy and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And at this point, a girl walks past the building. You get the same message from before. Yeah. Except this time, it says, my little girl is hurt. Yeah. And... And then so up she goes. Up she goes. We get the same. So, Craig is listening in on the doctor talking to Amy. And they mention there's localised time distortion. Yes. Yeah. So that's only the thing that that the doctor thinks is is stopping the TARDIS from materialising. Yeah. Um... And so he's trying to investigate that, which is obviously why he's insinuated himself into uh, Craig's flat. So to solve that problem, he says, oh, I'm going to go pick up a few items. We then see him with a shopping trolley full of just absolute garbage. Yes. So um, 
uh, interesting to know. I, when we, we later see the gadget that he's built, mm-hmm. um, uh, and Craig mentions it by name uh, much later on we get Expedition Dump, um, they refers to it being non-technological technology of the Lamastine. Now, this is a reference to a Pertwee story, The Time Monster, where he builds a gadget out of, like, teacups and bits. So it's, like, balancing these weird, like, just everyday objects, but mm-hmm. in in such a way that they somehow synchronise with each other to, to create a device that will do the specific yeah. thing that he wants it to do. So it's... It, it's that exact same sort of technology from this sort of, like, weird planet. I don't think they go to Lamastine or it's just, like mentioned no I don't think way. I've heard it uh, but anyway but yeah so I quite like that they're just throwing that in there as a as a little nod back to classic who so the next day the doctor is having a shower and Craig says you know there's bumping I'm going to go see upstairs but the doctor can't really hear him mm-hmm. um, so the man tells Craig he doesn't need his help and closes the door in his face yeah so the doctor panics that Craig might have gone upstairs, so he reaches for the sonic screwdriver to run to save Craig, and what he's actually picked up is an electric toothbrush, and he looks really silly pointing it at the door. Mm-hmm. So Sophie comes round, and she spies the doctor in his towel, and there's a bit of like almost like carry-on humour, where she's like, ooh, hello. Yeah, there's a, it sort of skirts on the fringes of that, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Um, and Craig says to the doctor you know we're a man short would you like to come play football and the doctor's yeah. like ooh football I can't remember can I do that <laughs> and he's got his football shirt on the wrong way around and yeah. he wears a blazer over the top of it how did you see this going uh, one of two ways Yeah, I thought it was either going to be like Mark from Peepshow where he's just terrible and everyone hates him Yeah. or as we got the doctor's so good I think I lost count, but I think I've written down he scores six goals. Yes. And most of them are headers or insane <laughs> feats of technical fitness. Yeah. Now, uh, interesting to note here, and I haven't looked at the details because I can't remember, but, but I, I know that the Matt Smith mentioned in interviews, there is like a parallel universe in which Matt Smith could have been a professional footballer. Oh, really? Because he was on like a, a junior team for like the county or whatever. Oh, I and think was, I've maybe heard him talk yeah. about this. And uh, he had like some kind of injury that kind of like took him out for a whole year. And in that time, he was getting more into his acting and stuff. Mm. And so he never really went back to it. But he he plays football like somebody who plays football. Yeah. Like if they filmed me playing football, I mean I play quite a bit, and I'm fairly competent. But I think they'd be able to tell. Yeah. Like, this is staged. Yeah. This isn't someone who's very good at football. Yeah, no, but here here you can see him, like, actually moving in a way that seems like he knows what he's doing. And I, I quite like this as well, because this is... I don't know how... I have a feeling, given that it's Gareth Roberts, and we've, he's just done a nod to the non-technological technology of the Lamastine, um, that it's fair to say that he's maybe also nodding back to Black Orchid, which was a um, fifth Doctor story in which he is inadvertently roped into a game of cricket. And okay. the fifth is that why using, he always wore, like, cricket garb? He just happened to... That was the kind of look and vibe he had, the sort right. of Edwardian gentleman type of vibe. And so when he la- actually lands at Edwardian London and this team are basically expecting a doc- uh, uh, 
In fact, sorry, in Edwardian countryside, and this team are expecting a doctor to come up from London to join them for their cricket team. So he just turns in, and then you get, frankly, a slightly overlong sequence in which the doctor just turns out to be fantastic at cricket, and he's just like uh, just bowling everyone out and and uh, stuff. So I feel like. The Doctor being unexpectedly good at sports is definitely, you know... A bit of a trope. A bit of a trope, yeah. So he's so good at football, he makes Craig feel bad. Yeah. And whilst this is going on, the intercom speaks to its third victim, a lady. Mm -hmm. It's a little girl's voice this time. Yeah. And the lady goes in. And to celebrate them winning the football game, I can't remember if it mentions the final score, but the Doctor, he scored 100 goals or something like so they celebrate with a lager. Now, yeah. Craig opens his lager, it sprays everywhere. Then he opens his lager, it sprays everywhere. Yeah. Then he opens his lager. And, like, time is glitching. Yeah, so the Doctor realises there's, like, a time loop. Mm. And the TARDIS is going absolutely mental. Yeah. So, later on, we see that the mould in the flat is growing. Mm-hmm. And Craig is about to tell Sophie how he feels. But he's interrupted by the Doctor... So at this yeah. point, their like great friendship has become like somewhat of a burden to Craig. Yeah, like, the Doctor. Every time Craig's on the verge of success, the Doctor foils him. Yeah, so it's getting a little bit strained. So the Doctor excuses himself, goes to his room where we see his homemade scanner machine. Mm. But it's a little bit like when he built that thing. That was a whisk and a bottle opener. Yeah, again, probably also non-technological technology of the Lannistine, for all we know. I just want to go back to that scene. So, that is that the scene where, like, Sophie's round, and originally, like, Craig's asking him if he can get out of his hair. Yes. And the doctor's like, oh, you won't notice me. I mean, obviously, <laughs> the doctor is hard not to notice. And so, he ends up getting roped in, and it becomes, a like, a threesome, not in the sexual sense but in yeah. the three people sitting around having a drink sense in which I you know I, I will also note there's that lovely moment where the doctor takes a, a, a like a good swig of his wine and then just spits it back into the cup <laughs> like a toddler yeah. <laughs> he just says out he does not like wine yeah um, I'm with him on that and uh, but he has quite a sort of heart to heart moment with Sophie because he like he's he's it's interesting because like the 11th Doctor, he seems really oblivious a lot of the time. And then all of a sudden he'll come out with, like, actual wisdom. Mm. And, like, he'll show his true age, in a way. And so he's obviously picked up on what's going on between the two of them. And when they're talking about, like, oh, there are six billion people out there, he says, you know, looking at you two, I wonder <laughs> how that happens. <laughs> you know, and... And they're talking about how... Um, that, you know, that, oh, they can't go away. They can't do things. And like, because Craig so- is Sophie wants to go work with monkeys. Yeah, yeah. She's talking about it, but then she's like, oh no, but I can't do that. And and Craig's kind of like one of the people like anchoring her and saying like, oh yeah, no, because you'll need like loads of qualifications and stuff. Like that. And earlier on in the episode, Craig says, you know, I can't see the point in Paris. I can't see the point in London. You know, he's just one of those people who's just like very comfy where they are. Um. And the Doctor kind of sort of plants the seed of like, is that, you know, is that all you can be? Are you, are you really, you know, you just, you know, is the best you can do working in call centre personality? Because, of course, the Doctor 
is a life of perpetual adventure. Yes. So he always finds it hard to relate to the idea of just, you know, as he says uh, to Craig at one point, starting to resemble yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. So the Doctor, like we say, has built his scanner thing. And whilst he's looking at that, Craig's looking at the mould and gives it a little prod. Yeah. It seems to give him like an electrical shock, like yeah. a zap. Yeah. So the next day, the Doctor goes in to wake Craig up. And it's as though he's been poisoned. Yes, yeah. There's like a sort of like gross discoloration, like going all the way up his arm, the arm that yeah. he used to touch the uh, the bomb stuff, and he's just like laid up in bed. So as always, we know the best thing to fix someone when they're ill is a cup of tea. Yes. So the doctor makes him like a strange brew and sort of feeds him from the teapot. Yep. Uh, well, he's a good delivery system. Yeah, it if it works. So Craig then sleeps till quarter to three in the afternoon before yeah. rushing to work. He's hinted before he's got this big meeting. Yeah, yeah. And when he gets there, the doctor's <laughs> using Craig's call centre. He's working there. Yeah. But he's using it to, like, broaden his scan. Yeah. So on his desk, he's got some of this <laughs> weird technology. I think yeah. he's got, like, a potato masher. Or... Yeah, and it's, and it's just, like, slowly revolving on his desk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So... It turns out the meeting was a success. The Doctor's given loads of great ideas. Yeah. So when they get home, Craig breaks into the Doctor's room and finds the scanner. Yeah. And orders the Doctor to leave. Says, you know, there's weird and there's weird. Yeah. And he doesn't want it. He's crossed the threshold from good weird to bad weird. Yeah. Yeah. So to sort of build a bridge between them, the Doctor just headbutts Craig. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, this I'm pretty sure we've never seen in Classic Who before, but it's almost like, like, uh, as a means of very quickly giving Craig a lot of information. Yeah, well, we've seen yeah. him do like the mind meld thing. Yes, but never just by sticking a nut on. <laughs> yeah, and, and I love, I love everything about the way this scene plays out because, like, first of all, like. It looks like it really hurts. Like he's probably just whacking yeah. his head, and yeah, like you know, the, the sound effect is like it, it, you feel it. And it, and he's like, okay, first of all, background information, and he gives him the first whack on the head, and it's like you you know, you quickly flash through all of the doctor's faces mm. and things like that. Says, okay, and now specifics, and, and like so, he has to do it like three times in total, and every time it's like it obviously hurts more, and it just yeah. it's just like oh, I'm never doing that again. But. Uh, yeah. yeah, so that fills Craig in on all the details, and whilst that's going on, Sophie comes back to the flat, but is called upstairs by the little girl. Mm-hmm. And when she does, the time loop seems to start again. Yeah. Okay? So Craig sees Sophie's keys in the door and realises she's upstairs, she might be dead. Yeah. At this point, Amy transmits all the doctor... All the data, sorry, she's discovered to the doctor. Yes, she was looking for like plans of the building. Yeah, she was yeah. looking for so any like structural weaknesses and things mm-hmm. like that that yeah. might have caused the rot. Yeah, and it turns out that there isn't an upstairs. Yes, okay. Somebody upstairs has created this. It's a little bit like the perception filter. Yes, so it's Craig, exactly what it is. So it Craig is knows filter. in the past. That there was only one floor, but now he's led to believe there's always been this second floor. Yeah. And it's like a hologram. Yes. And when they go upstairs to investigate, it's bigger on the inside than the outside. So someone's Uh effectively building a TARDIS. Yes. There's a sort of rudimentary TARDIS console in the centre of the room. Um, Yes. And and as the doctor says, it's it's like someone's attempt to build a TARDIS. 
we find out it's a crashed spaceship mm -hmm. and the people that are appearing are like a security protocol. So they're holograms, but they're calling people into the spaceship in the hope that their body can become like a power source. Yeah. Am I right in thinking that? Uh, like a pilot. They, they, they basically they need someone to pilot the ship because they're like the original crew is gone. So um, when they look around, there's like loads of corpses yes. on the floor. Yeah. It figures out that human minds don't work, so it needs to use the doctor. Well, it's not actually that. It's not the fact that it's a uh, human. It's it's the the will to escape. To travel, yes, yeah, because um, that's why it didn't want Craig. Yes, so it um, it was just like it was just like saying let's just not get a backfire, yeah. And then it you know latching onto Sophie will give it slightly more, um, and then it realizes that the Doctor is like you know that's that's the ideal, that's what it needs to to uh, launch, but the Doctor manages to switch for Craig. Yes. Um, knowing that Craig is going to like, you know, is a grounded enough person that he can like just overpower the system. Basically. Yeah, because to that yeah. end, he says you need to give the reason why you don't want to leave. Yeah, and he says basically it's because I love Sophie. Yeah. So when he says that, the ship begins to implode. They all run downstairs. Yeah. Just in time to turn round and see the top half of the house disappear. Yeah. And reveal itself as a spaceship. Yeah. And all the mould begins to disappear. Yeah. Hooray. Power yeah. of love saves the day. Yeah. So the next day, the Doctor notices that Craig and Sophie are having a tender moment. This is the first time he wants to leave them to it. Yeah. So he puts his keys on the side and tries sneaking away. He knows mm. that the TARDIS will be waiting for him. Yeah. Uh, but Craig stops him. And says actually those keys are yours yeah. you know there's a bit of symbolism there because we've seen it's important when the doctor gives other people a key to the TARDIS yeah. so the fact that he's now got a key to Craig's home is quite relevant it's, yeah it's rather sweet isn't it I think you know. and just as he's leaving and saying see you later the crack appears behind Craig's fridge Yeah. now what's been good about this series is episodes like this and I would say the last one we not the last one, sorry. The one before where we're underground with the Silurians. Mm -hmm. I'd almost forgotten about the crack. Yeah. And then there's always five minutes left of the episode <laughs> when I think it's finished. Yeah. So the crack appears behind Craig's fridge. Yeah. Uh, and they say, right, we need to go back in time so you can write the original note. So there's a, a like a post-it that says... Yeah. This advert, Doctor. Yeah, yeah and it, like signed from Amy. So she used to do that. And also, we didn't mention, the reason that the the previous tenant vacated was because some uncle they'd never heard of had died and left them a load of money. Yes. And so the Doctor is going off to, to like, tamper with a will mm. to uh, do that. So, like, he's got all of these, like, loose ends that he has to tie up in order to make sure that what's already happened happens. Yes. <laughs> so... Yeah, so he says, go grab a pen, yeah. you need to write that note. Yeah, make sure it's a red pen. Because that's when what she's looking all. through his coat pockets, she finds Rory's engagement ring. Yeah. And then the episode ends there. Yeah. And Before we can tell whether she remembers everything. Uh-huh. Or does she just think the doctor's going to propose to her? Or, like, you know, yeah. we just don't know how that's going to play. 
And that's where we leave it. Um, until next week when we will be discussing both parts of uh, the Series 5 finale. The Pandorica Opens and The Big Bang. Oh, not the Pandorica. We heard the shout-out to the Pandorica in the first episode, I think a couple of times since. Yeah, they mentioned in... Uh, did we not hear about the it Angels on, like, Planet of the Dead? Did the old lady not no, say it? No, no. The, the first reference to the Pandorica is uh, the 11th hour. So it's oh. this series. The, the, it's what a Prisoner Zero says to the Doctor. The Pandorica will open, silence will fall. Right. That's the prophecy for this series. Right. So we know what the silence is. That's just the nothing coming through the crack, the end of Could it, be. the deletion from time. Could be. I wonder what's in the Pandorica. Well, maybe we'll find out next week when it opens. Yeah. But until then, thank you very much for listening, everyone. And have you got any more final thoughts? No. I feel like you, you, you were looking at me like maybe you had more to say. Well, I... I just don't know where we're going with this. Like, I mean, we know the TARDIS is going to blow up, but why? Yeah. Well, maybe we'll find it. Maybe it will be entertaining. Imagine that. An entertaining Doctor Who finale. I wonder if it's just like he solves the Pandorica and he's like, well... What, like a Rubik's Cube? Yeah, and he's just <laughs> like, well, the TARDIS has got to blow up sooner or later. Just blows it up. Oh, what if he does it himself? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. And he gets a motorbike instead. Like Pertwee. Like oh, that would be excellent. <laughs> or just a classic yellow car. Yeah. Yeah, just get old Bessie out of the garage. She must still be in, uh, somewhere, like tucked away in some like unit warehouse. I hope she's rusted to bits. Oh, don't say that about Bessie. I hope she's scrapped oh. and melted down into. You're, you're making me sad now. We, we, we were ending it. We were ending oh, she's such melted a high down note. into spoons. Oh, that's upsetting. <laughs> All right, on that note. Uh, join us next week as I say Pandorica opens and the Big Bang it's going to be a good one thanks very much and uh, cheerio bye now thank you for listening to Neither the Time nor the Space if you wish to contact us our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod and thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.